Oh man, you're all robots to me. Can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, you can hear um, me. Okay, I just can't hear you. This is really great. This is right in the middle of the podcast. I really, I, I tried not to comment on it, but now I have. I'm to. assuming you said yes. All right. In that case, we're gonna wing it. This is me talking and you coming in when you need to, and I hope you know when that is. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. All right. It's a good so, thing we started the podcast with an actual starting. Hello and welcome to Interface. My name is Andrew Liljoen. With me, it, ch- it, and, ex, ace, I, er, but, and, but, but then it was all over her face. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I'm going to be perfectly honest with you two. Uh, I have been traveling. I've, I've been tra- no, I'm, I'm not. I'm gonna stop lying. It's cut the bullshit for once in my life here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. Go on. I've been traveling for four weeks. I spent all last week traveling and working, and I spent the last I, I spent the last twenty four of the forty eight hours moving. I am exhausted. So anything that requires me to just like talk out of my butt and not require any sort of research would be ideal. <laughs> we can talk. Let's talk. Let's talk cord cutting in the state of TV. Um, that's easy yeah yeah so i i can uh i can say that i've been thinking about this more because we just did our first little trial of sling tv have you guys seen that yes i i tried it for a while actually oh that's right you tried it and got rid of it yeah what that is so it's a go ahead you can explain it's a service that claims to you know be a replacement for your cable because you still get primetime TV and you can like when you go to the channel, it actually shows whatever content is streaming or streaming is like playing at the moment. Being um, broadcast. But it also has a backlog of on demand stuff. Depending on the channel, there's a backlog of on demand stuff, yeah. Interesting. Okay, so it basically lets you stream live TV from what your cable box to your other devices? No, it's it's live TV from your um the, from the internet down to like to your xbox or to your uh, iphone or to your computer or whatever but it, it's coming off of their service oh interesting and it, so it's kind of like that ill-fated what was that arrow tv kind of except that sling has very select channels that work so it's um like tbs tnt food network um I don't know. Got it. The big, the big ones. It, HGTV, all the exciting channels. Right, but but you don't get any of your local ABC, NBC, CBS. So it's all national, right? I assume so. So Apple TV was supposed to be like the the revolutionary thing, right? It was supposed to sort of combine all these services together under one roof. I mean, that was the promise: was that Apple TV was going to be the thing that fixed all of this because of apps. But like, so what's what's broken with TV as we see it right now? Like we have we have it's fragmented amongst different networks, right? But is that really such a tragedy? You just know where you can get certain things or in the case of Apple TV and Roku, you have that unified search that goes and tells you where it is. And then you go to that place and it doesn't really matter. If they're not all under one roof because you have this search that gets what you gets what you want. And even Siri for all its flaws on Apple TV is pretty good at being able to figure out where something is. So I can say like, uh, because I'm a lazy boy and I, if I just want to switch from one app to the other, I'll say like, uh, Siri, uh, 
or I'll say, hey, Siri, can I watch uh, the West Wing? And it'll pull up the West Wing launch page and it'll give me a bunch of options. And uh, it'll say, like, buy it on iTunes. Here it is on Netflix. And then I go click the Netflix and it brings you right there. And because Netflix, the app itself, has all the information about what I watch on it. It has, like, the last episode I watched, where I am and everything like that. And maybe it'd be a, it would be nice if it was all, like, one consistent app integrated under one roof and we all talk to each other. But, right, what additional benefit does that provide? I think the idea of having it on demand at the press of a button, we'll say, even though it's technically at the command of your voice, uh, but at the press of a button, having whatever show you want is an added convenience to everything. But I think the the bigger issue with TV is probably even higher level than that. Like before we even dive into all the on demand stuff, I think what happens with live TV is probably the bigger question with, with cord cutting. So depends on if you want to... But we have Facebook streams, we have Periscope, we have, what was that, Meerkat, we have Twitch TV, like we have a lot of streaming services and they almost, I believe all of them have some sort of 10-foot interface already. And if not, you have, if you have Apple TV or whatever, you can very likely take your current device, Chromecast, and stick whatever's playing on that up onto your TV. And did live TV ever actually matter that much anyway? Well, I think it depends on what, what it is. So let's use sports as a really good example. If I want to watch the... um the hockey game tonight, whatever game that is, I don't know who's playing because the Blackhawks aren't in it anymore, but let's say I wanted to watch whatever that game was. I want to watch that live. How do I do that? So I'm not talking live streaming like Facebook or Periscope or Meerkat. I'm talking live stream whatever is on NBC tonight or tomorrow. So you're talking about, you're talking about being one of the 560,000 tweets that Scandal generates every episode. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I want I want to be or, part of but I'm talking how do I experience the live TV event because that's sure to me, that's the part that's broken because right now if you want to watch it live you have two options you pay for cable or you hope that an antenna can pick it up and if it's on a channel that antenna doesn't pick up like HBO or Comedy Central or whatever else now you're paying for a service but where it gets a little weird is like there's no easy way to pay for ESPN to just watch ESPN unless you use a service like sling that Chase was talking about that does offer ESPN as one of their channels. But there's not an easy, fast way to say, I want to watch this event on this channel without having a cable contract. I thought, I think the high-level issue with TV as it, is, as it exists today is just the cost because people realize now that they're getting equally, if not far more enjoyable experiences from alternative services like Netflix, right? Like that's really the, you know, the gold standard today for content right. for your, you know, bang for your buck. And you want to experience the stuff that you're used to experiencing, right? Like anything, anything that's on like the big networks, NBC, ABC, CBS. And you want to do that in the same way that you've now grown accustomed to enjoying everything else. But the difference is that there's the gap there and that the sort of the, you know, the cable industry hasn't move to where we're what our expectations are right like the cable industry is is medical software and um epic that we want our exactly and we want our medical software to be the same standard as our all the apps on your iphone right or all google right, i want it to be as good as apple music that's that's exactly what i was thinking that's the best example <laughs> but no right like because those are such polished consumer experiences like netflix we want everything else that we want you know in our life to be on that level and they're not and i think that so cost and the way the experiences are designed are not nearly as good as what we know they can be that's interesting so are you saying the problem is with tvs that exist now or the apps or the fact that there's this sort of this uh, fragmentation going on 
fragmentation with content. And it seems to be the huge yeah. thing, right? Because there's, there's a need, right? Like if you want to watch sports, you have, you know, very limited options to do that in the capacity that everybody else is going to be doing it, right? Like the normal, I guess. I mean, it's, yeah. you're basically forced into one of two options. You either get your sports by paying however much to Comcast or Dish Network or DirecTV or whoever, or you get the inverse of that, which is almost nothing, but you don't have to pay for it then. Yeah. I'm probably the worst person to have this conversation with because uh, I don't watch live TV. I don't watch sports. Everything I watch, I watch the day afterwards on Hulu, Netflix, or something else. Yeah, we're, and we're the same way. And I've never, and I'm one of these obnoxious cord never, so I've never owned cable, so I've never had any reason to want to watch something live. You didn't grow up watching TV? You don't have, like, okay. That's most, interesting. I mean, I grew up watching, like, an hour and a half of TV after I got home from school, and it was, like, Arthur, Jackie Chan Adventures, and whatever else. Like, that was basically it. It's really good. Okay, okay, so that makes sense, right? Um, I think, so all three of us have, in some way, experimented with, you know, cord cutting. And, like, Sarah and I went away from cable just because we didn't have the money for it. Like, if we were in a, you know, when you make choices, and as you're, like... A young couple or you're like renting your first place right like that's, that's an obvious place you can save money so we save like 80 dollars a month by cutting our cable mm-hmm. and we went with netflix and hulu in 2009 8 9 i think and haven't gone back to cable since but you know there's this intangible lure of like having a movie play on tv and it could be a movie that you own so like for example if we go back to sarah's mom's and harry potter was on abc family or whatever free form now i guess is what it's called yeah thank you <laughs> and um if that movie, if harry potter is playing on that and it's halfway through chamber of secrets we're like shit we gotta watch harry potter but <laughs> you know we have that movie on our shelf all the time so this that's not really something that i would argue for but it's like a weird intangible of television so you're saying the problem or or one of the things that you'll miss is a lack of intentionality in your media selection behavior like oh there's nothing to do i better pop oh it's it's harry potter my god i'm gonna do this instead of reading a book (laughs) well is that is that a benefit is that that actually a good thing let's not go down if you really want that experience can't you just like go to like a movie roulette.com or there's gotta be some website like no you can't you absolutely absolutely can i think the like the sad commentary overall on this like like oh it's on tv phenomenon or the song is on the radio phenomenon right is that it's like the ultimate lazy. It came on and you like it versus you like spent the five seconds going to search for it or whatever, right? But anyway, that's sort of the that's really, of it. It's that whole idea yeah. of, of passive consumption though. Like you didn't seek out whatever was on TV. You just turned the TV on and there it was versus when you watch Netflix or Hulu or HBO or anything like that, you have to go out and pick something. So it all goes back. Yeah, that's true. It, it goes back to the same problem as a lot of these streaming services, which is why, um, you know, you say Apple Music is the gold standard. And I know you're kidding, but at the same time, the uh, the option for am I though? No, oh, maybe the uh, the option for Beats One is kind of cool because it's like I don't have to think about what I want to listen to. I can just open Apple Music and I can click play on Beats One, and I'm I'm going to get something. You're going to get music, and the same idea applies to TV. Like I don't want to have to go pick something to watch. I just want to be able to press a button and receive TV. Okay, but I think the argument is a little bit different there because you can have Apple One generate. It has like these radio stations where it'll pull songs out on the fly, sort of tailored to your taste uh, per genre. And that's really what a TV channel is, right? It's something that it's supposedly tailored to your taste per genre or topic like that. That's why there's HDTV and the Food Channel and Discovery Network and that kind of thing. Like, you don't really just turn on the TV and then expect content to be thrown at you regardless of what you're interested in. Like, I can be listening to a radio station. Like, Beats One is a great example. It can go from like hip hop 
to well, not classical music, but like jazz and then to pop and then rock all in the same period there. But like, you don't, you're not going to get a TV channel. That's all those things like that. I would argue that all of your network TV stations are probably very similar to that. Really. If you think about it over the course of a day, I mean, you have news, you have talk, you have some type of, um, usually cooking related or fashion related something, whether it's the, it's like a culture piece, right? I mean, whether it's the chew or something like that. And then you have news and you have your sitcoms and your evening dramas, like late night, you, you still get all those things. But is anybody actually watching that? And is that, is that a a beneficial thing? Uh, I would, I would argue yes, because they are, you're probably your most watched TV channels. And obviously those shows have stuck around for as long as they have. So somebody's watching them. It's also, those are free. Yeah. And actually, that's an interesting point, too. As we move progressively away from live TV, what happens to, like, now, in order to watch TV, there's a, a much higher barrier of entry. And so, like, when Sesame Street moved to HBO, so now you have to have a internet subscription and you have to have a, a subscription to HBO now just in order to be able to watch Sesame Street. And I know there's, like, this whole free thing, but, like, when all of our TV becomes stratified into these different things, it becomes more expensive to watch things that originally were free. Yeah, okay, so, but there's there's different pieces here, right? Because you could watch Sesame Street for free if you had the correct access and you had either you had like a dish that picked it up or a digital antenna, right, that picks it up now. But there's lots of pe- there's plenty of people who don't have that set up currently um, or their current setup doesn't like work with that. And I know it sounds lazy, right? Like I don't want to go put a dish on my house or like hook up my indoor antenna, but there's plenty of people who don't have it. So I'd rather pay $15 than re- like reset up my actual you know, TV setup. That's a fair point. As, and perhaps also then that means that streaming could democratize it more because what is some crazy huge amount of TV and stuff is watched on mobile devices now. That's how a lot of people, especially uh, underprivileged and poor people, use the internet is primarily through their mobile device. If it's easy to get that, then then uh, maybe it's going to be even easier for people to watch it. These are numbers we should look up instead of trying to talk about them as if we have any idea what we're talking about. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Um, Okay, so on the price though, because I think price is a big is a big component, right? Like you want to save eight dollars a month on cable or whatever, or like dishes even more. I know that like my mom pays over a hundred dollars a month for their current you know direct TV package or something. Um, and so let's say that we want to go with the argument that hey, it still becomes expensive to piecemeal all the things you want because I need HBO now for Game of Thrones and you know Sesame Street and I need Netflix for whatever and then Hulu for my day after TV, right? So you have all these things, and let's say they eventually add up to you know eighty dollars. But the eighty dollars you're paying is exactly it should be at least exactly the eighty dollars worth of content you want right. to watch, and then the extra things that you're discovering through those should hopefully be your added benefits. Like I am paying for Netflix for all the movies and kid shows, but wow, Orange is the New Black is really good, or you know, or right. whatever argument you want to make. Versus eighty dollars for so, eighty dollars for TV, you get the four or five, six, eight channels that you want to watch, whatever it is, and then you get ninety music channels that you're never going to watch. You get. 11 different Disney channels that are all an hour different in program because they, they're one for each time zone. You get, like, all of a sudden you start looking at the channels you're getting and it's like, wow, I'm paying $80, $100, whatever it is, and you're only really utilizing eight channels for content that you could really pay $8 a month to have or $11 a month to have commercial free on Hulu just the next day. They talk about this, everyone doesn't plan it money. It's because you're subsidizing the other uh, content, but that's not super relevant. So... Is the problem, it, it sounds like we're sort of landing on both sides here. The problem with TV is that it's both more fragmented and that fragmentation is a good thing because it means it might be easier for people to get access to it. Is it worth, if we can sort of 
mean, always, ideally, you want to solve fragmentation problems and have a unified service. Presumably, I mean, there's issues of monopoly there or whatever, but like when it comes to designing an interface or an interaction, you want everything all under one roof. Would it be mm-hmm. effective to have something like Apple TV or like Roku, which suits my needs because it sort of encapsulates all those things into a generic interface where I really only have to interact with the, the channels when I'm watching the specific thing on there. Otherwise, I can do everything in the main interface. Yeah, I think that's that's a big selling thing of it is it's not that you have to have one service or one company that's providing everything. You're not paying Comcast for their little box that gives you all their TV. You're, you're right. buying a box and you're saying, now I want to put these four, five, ten, whatever services or uh, apps on the device that now give me access to the content I want. And like Chase said, it's it's very much a you get to pick and choose on demand. These are the things I want and anything else I discover on these is an added bonus, but you're, you're not stuck with all this other, you know, it's carrier bloatware. Basically it's all the crap you don't need. Sure. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's interesting. So when the Apple TV was coming out, a lot of people would say things like, Oh, TV is really broken. This is Apple's crazy idea to like fix a TV, that kind of thing. But I still, so there's fragmentation, but really like what's broken with TV or set another way. What's your ideal TV interface right now? Yeah, so I so first I don't think TV's broken. I think that we've I think like what we've sort of been dancing around is that we've all tasted the better version of TV and we want what we have to all transition to the better version. Like I think we could all argue that using Netflix is a more enjoyable experience than trying to channel surf and figure find something to watch. I mean, maybe I'm alone in that, but I I would guess that people feel that way. So how do you bring what we already know, the pieces of what we want, and transition that to the experience we want, we we prefer? And Apple TV is a great solution. The Roku search does it. Uh, Xbox has a, thing, has a thing called One Guide, which pulls data from all the different services, and you can see what's going on, right? And it's it's definitely not perfect. I don't know that any of them are really working the way we want them to work, but the idea of like a wrapper application to sort of encapsulate all the services so you don't have to deal with their individual technicalities would be I you know like the best way to do it because I'd love to search just through the Apple TV and then have it start playing whatever episode right and then right and then have it dance back to my main Apple TV service without having to go through Hulu or Netflix or whatever if possible sure sure so maybe the those channels become the dumb pipes that are just sort of dumping the content in there and so it's like your water electric bill you just pay that yeah 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 I don't I don't think any of them are going to like that at all but or you know and as we see their APIs like didn't Netflix shut down their API so it's like harder to pull you know, data from them or whatever anyway. So there's different problems with it, but I think you'd want some type of wrapper. And then just as an example of like, the so back to Sling, just because I'm playing with it right now, you know, this is trying to be that. It like, it looks a little bit like a direct TV or a cable interface, right? Where you've got the different channels and you can see what's on and what's coming up because there's the live whatever version's going on. But then you can also dive one level deeper and it's got a, you know, a selection of a, a Hulu-esque, um, you know, recent selection of on-demand from each of those, you know, channels offerings as well. But Sling TV, like I, the, the in theory, it's a really great service and it's a great bang for your buck for cost too, because you can also pick and choose the packages you want for like $5 a package versus like $20, $30 right. a package with cable or direct TV. Um, but the interface is so horrendous that I'm already mm-hmm. yeah. pretty sure we're going to cancel and, and it. And what your, like I can't, I can't cost for entry is what, 20 bucks? Yeah, so, yep, exactly. We're at 25 because we have the, sure. the kids thing. But My right. issue with TV as it is right now, and this applies to Sling and it applies to over-the-air TV and it applies to cable, that you can avoid with Hulu and Netflix, which I think is with a part of TV that's broken, I think is the way that advertising is happening on TV. Because 
mm-hmm. that I feel like is the part that people are trying to avoid now. I'm well, I'm advertising is broken everywhere. Well, but but I'm I'm fine watching a show on Hulu and paying the extra $3 a month to have ad free. By the way, if you didn't know, you could do that. Um yeah, pay the extra $3 a month to have ad free because even shows that aren't ad free like we watch Grimm every week um they play an ad before the show and they play an ad after the show but during the entire show there's no commercial break which makes watching the show so much more enjoyable same goes for Netflix you can click play and you watch mm-hmm. the entire show and when the show is over the show is over there's no breaks for ads stuff like that so the the tolerance of watching the show is much higher um, sticking with shows is a lot easier because you don't have the commercial breaks and I just, it makes the whole experience better ultimately than trying to, to watch it over, over the air because yeah. you, you have a commercial break, you get up, you walk away and now you forgot what you were doing and you, you don't come back to your show or whatever. Yeah. I think, I think the staggering thing that like Sarah and I talked about when we did the, like we upgraded Hulu or whatever and, you know, just watching shows in general on Netflix when you gain like 16, 17 minutes for every hour long program that you watch, that's amazing, right? Like that's a huge gain. And you know, we've talked about like, well, commercials are nice. You can go get a snack. I'm like, or we can pause Xbox pause. Okay. Let's go get a snack. Right. You still, you still know where that break is to pause. I mean, you you can still feel a commercial break in the way a, a show is shot, whether there's a commercial there or not, but but you can also pause at the end of like a right. scene or it's, it's, yeah, or where, but that's the, that's the nice part, right? Yeah. Visual so, media has inflection points. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that I always think about in this is how, so you can paint a nice interface on top. You can sort of, you can put lipstick on that pig, but uh, like, how do you fix the underlying interaction? And that's what I keep coming back to. Like, is it really actually broken? I mean, I, so I don't know how you want to define broken, but if you go with current TV as the staple, like if you go with direct TV or cable, the problem is that you don't, I just don't think that people don't have the options that they want to have. You literally can't, you don't, you're unable to make the selection you want to make because you know that you just want to go and watch the most recent episode of scandal or whatever. Okay. Like pick some network primetime show and you can't because it, it comes on at 6 PM. So then you have to TiVo it and now you're at a delayed thing. So you may as well have Hulu or whatever. Right. So sure. your, your options are just not the options you want to have. Wait, 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 hold up. But what's the problem with that? So like you either watch it now and if you can't do that, you watch it on Hulu tomorrow. What's the problem there? Because I'm saying if you have the current, if you have TV as it is today, you can't watch it now because it's on at 6 p.m. and it's 3.38. Sure. That's not like a problem with your schedule. Yeah, but isn't that the ultimate flexibility that you want so you can have your, your media con- like conform to your schedule? Yes, time travel is the ultimate way of doing media. But oh, there's man. a real, like... I mean, you get. Are you asking for like the Netflix model where they drop all the the episodes at once? No, 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 not that. Like it can be weekly, but it's Game of Thrones. Like it's it launches on actual HBO and it goes live on HBO Go or HBO Now at the same time. Like I think HBO has nailed the sweet spot, but they're so small as far as like overall right. content availability that not everybody can go to it. But I think they've absolutely nailed the sweet spot. So so it's not so it's not that it's three thirty eight right now and I want to watch the show that's not going to be on until six it's that it's six o'clock right now and i want to watch the show right now and not wait till tomorrow right exactly. or yeah or i, I know that i won't it. be able to watch it at six but i will be able to watch it at seven and that's the that's the more realistic thing right because this now with that simple option to just defer and stream you know 90 minutes later i've circumvented the need for a dvr system i mean cut out an entire piece of my right. infotainment stack tiva would collapse it, oh wait hold it, on yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but right like that like the whole 
that system is built on it on the need that you or on the on the assumption that you can't access it when you want. Right. Right. So it's a small thing. Maybe maybe the the issue here is it's a bunch of small things that uh, all add up together to be sort of something more interesting. Air quotes broken. Is that what? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, if you fix all the small problems and you you fix the the large thing as a whole. But the the issue with like getting the content at some point and then being able to watch it, like getting the content within some reasonable period of time, being able to watch it. I think is generally pretty good and fixing the outlying cases is such a huge challenge that, I mean, it's not a tech problem. It's, it's a, it's a legal issue. And so we have to, we have to play with the cards we have, even if we don't quite have all 52, but you know, in, I don't know. I can't, sorry, I can't build on that metaphor, but if, you know, if the, if the money is any indication of where things are going, cable's been dropping, right? And DirecTV subscriber numbers are going down and we see still, we're still seeing increases on, in on-demand services. And I know I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I know that Netflix is still growing, right? And they talk about like tapping, like, you know, new areas and they want to grow, blah, blah, blah. Okay. But they're still going up. And, um, you can see if that's any indication the cable companies or at least the you know the content providers to the cable companies more accurately um, if the money is no longer with cable you could see them moving right like i could see like ABA, abc signing with you know netflix or something right like that wouldn't be a crazy far-fetched idea so netflix has been growing continuously since 2011 every quarter more so in the last year or two quarter 1 2016 they have 81.5 million subscribers that's insanity yeah, that's amazing Is that right number zero is 81.5 that's bananas right so like you, i could it doesn't seem that far-fetched when you see this type of like shift and especially for like if you're talking about people who didn't previously have access or the infrastructure set up to get to this type of media and now all of a sudden everybody with a mobile phone can get netflix like low-res netflix yeah, yeah. that's so amazing the, the concern for me is what happens when you're uh cable channel companies whether it's your comedy central your mtv your e your whatever when they start to realize hey we're not in the same position we were with comcast or DirecTV or whatever we're now not reaching the same base as we were how do we fix it and they don't want to partner with a hulu or somebody like that because you know if let's say for every one subscriber of hulu you know each network only is getting a few cents a piece right whether because I, I don't think they're getting paid based on what you watch i think they're getting paid based on your subscription and it's just cut you know amongst everybody who's who's in there so what happens when they realize that and now they want to offer comedy central on demand and so you pay six dollars a month to comedy central or to viacom to have comedy central is that how that works and all of a sudden you're getting nickel and dimed into your cable package yeah but I have no sympathy for the TV provider that failed to notice the internet revolution when it happened, you know, 10 years when ago. Netflix launched and started getting really big, right? Like it's the same, same story as the music industry. I don't care. That's not, that's their own problem. I'm not saying for you or caring, caring for the, the company. I'm saying you caring for your own wallet that all of a sudden now you're like, Oh, well, I want to get these eight channels at $5 a piece. Now all of a sudden you're spending $40 to get eight channels that you can't sure. get on these other services. Sure. Well, and all of a sudden you're back up to the price of a cable subscription just to get these handful of channels you want to watch. You must really want those channels though, right? Like then you have the choice yeah. to get those channels. I, I, I like, I'm okay with that. Like I'm okay cutting half three quarters of the content that I normally would have had for the same price. 
if the stuff I'm getting is everything I absolutely want and I get it in the way that I want it. Then we're right back to the same problem of fragmentation. Now, when I go to my Apple TV, instead of going to Hulu or Netflix or Sling for my TV, now it's like, do I have to go to the Hulu app or the Netflix app or the Comedy Central app or the HBO app or the whatever app or the whatever app? Like all of a sudden, and then every app's interface is laid out differently and works differently and it's confusing and that you all of a sudden are right back where you are now, basically. This makes me a bad user experience designer, but like, I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Like I'm seeing the outlines of this problem and I see the details, but it just seems like it's so, I mean, so hear me out. It works well enough, and that's never the ideal state to be in, but it just sort of seems like right. at this point you're just polishing off the rough edges, and it'll figure itself out, but if the worst case is that now you can't watch a few extra channels that you used to occasionally watch because you're paying for the ones that you actually really want, it doesn't seem like a huge downside to me. I agree with that. And, and then if you have interfaces like Apple TV, Roku, whatever, Sling, that lets you do it all easily, access those things not transparently, but like pretty easily, like pretty fluidly without a lot of muss and fuss. Like that's totally fine. And also like anything that you want to watch and you can't stream, you can usually buy on like iTunes or Amazon or something like that. So there's your one off solution. Right. And that's like, I, I hate that because I hate thinking of how much it would cost if I just wanted to buy the stuff that I like, because I like the idea of buying what I, right. you know, buying like the digital copies of the things I want, but that would put me in way like an, another, you know, astronomically expensive right. price At- range if you're paying $3 an episode or something. Right. I would buy a lot more stuff too. If, uh, DRM is an issue, but I think, I think people would be more interested in buying things too. If you could offer streaming prices for whole shows, like if you could get all 22 episodes of like the last season of Bob's burgers delivered to you, maybe even a DRM, whatever, just in a nice friendly interface for like $10, like, Holy shit, I would absolutely do that. I would pay, I would pay that price. No problem. That'd be great. If you're not getting it somewhere else, obviously. Right. Yeah. If I can't get it somewhere else or, I mean, it just seems like a really, and okay, I'm having a lot of thoughts here. That seems like a really great revenue <laughs> generating system, which I then think means would be a really great way for independent providers to start having direct access and funding to things. So the problem becomes like, oh, my little, my network is, can't afford to produce high level TV, high quality TV, because we don't have the kind of viewership or advertisement revenue we need anymore. Now you can offer directly to people through this sort of subscription model. I've so I've wondered a few times in the past when that was going to happen, and I I remember specifically thinking we were trying to like rent or buy um, Green Lantern, the like the Ryan Reynolds version years ago, and I thought to myself, I am not paying eight dollars for Green Lantern, right? Like because first of all, I wasn't paying eight dollars a ticket to see it in theaters, but I was definitely wasn't paying eight dollars online to rent it or whatever right. it was. That was that was crazy. I think it was through Amazon at the time. What you want and, is uh, movie prices weighted by box office gross on, yeah. and IMDb rating. <laughs> no, not not off gross, just off rating. Yeah, exactly. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Um, but but right, you get that idea, right? So like, I thought at the time, oh yeah, this movie is like a two dollar rental maximum. Let's just bring it down to where what the price is supposed to be, and then you see successes success for things like Redbox right. or whatever, right? But. I would be okay with like paying for the majority of my content on a per watch or per view basis. If it was a realistic price. Yes. Right. Oh my God. And cause there's some TV shows that I rewatch all the time. Yeah. And that's okay. Like I think people would pay it as long as it like, let's just say people spend a hundred dollars a month on like TV entertainment, right? right. Or whatever. Uh, let's say that's your budget or 50 or whatever. You could tailor it to whatever your cost print, whatever your right. cost point is. Also, 
it would so open good. the door for the steam for TV. And that's what we're really yes. talking about, right? Like we want to, we want a distribution platform that is sort of agnostic to your content and allows and has different channels for big and little providers to put their content on. That's really what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And then pres- pres- presents them both as if they're equal for equal players on equal footing. Uh, yeah. So it's, it is, it's steam for TV with the added bonus of being able to, well, it's like steam with Twitch, for tv except now you have to like maybe pay to watch streams i don't know would you would you guys pay to get access to a tv channel i would pay a flat rate if for something like twitch right if that's what you're talking about. sure but would you pay for access to a tv channel so i mean i guess so you're talking mtv i pay five dollars a month for access to mtv and i can watch mtv live but that's right, the right. only thing you could do you can't you can't get on-demand access to their shows no, I need on demand. Yeah. No, you got to sweeten the pot for me. No, I mean I'm saying that that's a pot. That's certainly an option, but like that's one of the things you could you you potentially could do, right? You would be you could oh, that's pay an option. a certain yeah. amount per channel. What, what would you pay for that? Two ninety nine. Okay, month. first of all, I think like I how much two ninety nine <laughs> per channel per channel, and I that's only because I did the math on the number of channels that I was watching on Dish right oh, before nice. I canceled it, and I was like, okay, well yeah. we watch about. 25 channels like over the course of say, shit, what? say over the course of a month sure like there, a were, show 20, per, yeah, there yeah. were 25 channels that i we watched more than one show on sure 25 well you drop drop, drop your drop your bewilderment you have, we have things like <laughs> on um on sunday we watched uh there was like a, a news show that was on cnn that we only that was only on on sundays and we only watched that on cnn that was the only show we watched on that channel sure so that, let's say 25 channels we gotta remember this is also including on demand but okay. i had figured that about 2.99 per channel ended up equaling our total bill so yeah okay interesting that got me thinking of two things first because i've been watching streaming stuff basically ever since it came around i have no idea what channels my tv shows are on pretty yeah. sure i watch things on like all the major networks but i couldn't tell you what they are but then also, I wonder if you have access to these sort of things, if this could potentially be an area where they could make more revenue by upselling you on things that you already have. Like $2.99 sounds pretty reasonable for a TV channel. I'm willing to bet that $4.99 also sounds pretty reasonable for a TV channel. Too much. And if you find yourself watching several of them, you would go, like if you're watching 25 or whatever, you, you might find yourself at the end of the day paying that much per channel and not even really realizing what's happening. I think there are some channels that I would pay $4.99 for. I think there are other channels that absolutely not. Like if it's a if a channel I'm only watching for one show, I'm not gonna pay. Wait, I mean that's, that's, the that's price breaking it down further, right? Like you could pay like how about you pay a dollar per month for access to your show or something, but you pay five dollars a month for the channel, right? Like there's there could be a lot of things, and you could do something like a two dollar add on. So now it's not just the channel, but you have the instant streaming access to that channel as well. But I think all of that gets way more complicated than the average consumer wants to deal with. I, I think really what you're that. talking about is like give me the channel for a flat rate or the show for a flat rate, and I think that might be like the most complex I would want to like get into. But what you would see happening and why this would never happen is that everybody would fund the popular shows and they would never get anything new off the ground. And so then, and the only reason that would take place is because that network's like, well, we're not going to risk it on shitty shows or, you know, we're not going to risk on a, a potentially non-profitable show. We'll stick with the big names or whatever, right? And so then we're getting back to how do we get the Steam Greenlight-esque version of TV? Like, how do we get the independent TV you know things off the ground and that is where you need a, pl- a, dis- a distribution platform that would have like 
indies coming in showing their pilot you know for free and then you get to upvote it number of upvotes puts it on a featured section or, or whatever it's a subsidi- subsidization problem but i think that i instead of that spelling the end of tv i think it's actually going to make it much more interesting it'll be i think closer to the way the game industry is now where you have a small group of highly funded incredibly expensive uh, game studios making these games and publishing them and then you have a wide range of indie games that are interesting and small and not nearly the same budget but that doesn't matter because they're still doing interesting things so is mm-hmm. this what youtube red is is that well, i mean youtube red that was the whole promise of it it was it was it was indie shows that you could now watch on youtube that were supposed oh, yeah. to be more like actual tv shows but then they also offer through youtube the ability to watch regular tv right yeah, you can buy regular shows through it. Yeah. Through YouTube. So, that's yeah. Cool. yeah. So that's kind of the same idea. You have these big studios that are putting out content, but you also have the little indies that are doing content, and it's all through YouTube, which is, you know, right now kind of the hot on-demand platform for non-network TV shows. Non-branded, yeah. Yeah. Hey, Tabascus, he did he did the one of my all-time favorite YouTube videos. Oh, you, the for, you know this? Yeah, the Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed uh, literal uh, movie trailer or whatever thing that he'll okay. like take movie trailers. And anyway, so it doesn't matter. But there's actually, there's got stuff from Rooster Teeth. This is so actually, no, it's exactly right. Toby Turner, Rooster Teeth. This is actually a really cool idea. Right. Okay. But so, okay. My question then is because I th- it sounds like right now Ian is the only one that really knew what YouTube Red's idea was. I knew that it existed because I remember reading that there was three YouTubes last month and I was like, well, one's Twitch compete, one's YouTube, and then one's this other thing that's supposed to have shows that I've never heard of. And, um, seeing that now that makes sense. But does YouTube get like, when people see the name YouTube, they're like, Oh, that's YouTube. I don't watch TV on that. Right. Right. Because people still have this weird idea of what TV is. Yeah. There's, there's a branding problem. I think there's a generational thing. Yeah. But but you look at our generation and we think of TV as being anything we watch on Netflix, Hulu, or through cable or whatever. You look at like our parents and I say, what's on, what are you guys watching on TV? And they're going to say whatever is on cable or satellite because the streaming thing isn't their thing. Now you look at the generation below us, people that are, you know, in middle school right now. And when you say, oh, you know, what are you watching on TV? They're going to say, oh, I'm watching the Philip DeFranco show on YouTube or I'm watching whatever. Because, oh, because for their amazing, generation, yeah. YouTube is half of the content they consume, and then the other half of it is streamed on Netflix yeah. or Hulu, and they watch almost nothing over cable or satellite or anything like that. Right. Can we call this what it is? It's the it's the older generation, the millennial generation, and the Minecraft generation. It's the kids who are watching like Minecraft streamers and video game streamers and and prank stuff and all that sort of stuff on t on TV, quote unquote. But it's really on YouTube and right. Like what happens when when we stop paying or we whatever we die off and the, the sort of the model of uh, the huge upfront cost for a TV show that's released once a week comes out over time versus the guy who's downstairs playing a game that somebody else made sitting in a couch with a green screen behind him. I so although that's okay, I totally agree. There's this like fragmentation. Of what it is, you know, today, but that changes with time too, right? Like the the Minecrafters, we'll just kind of call them Minecrafters. The Minecrafters. Uh, as they grow up, they're not going to be streaming Minecraft as they have kids. And then as they, you know, their kids leave for college and as they retire, like that will all shift with time. So I think that the need for like the big budget, you know, weekly TV events that people are used to, there'll always be a need for that. 
but I think that you're going to see it shift. Like there'll be less of that in the future and you'll see it come down to where you're getting a, a Netflix level show like House of Cards, which is to be fair, House of Cards is just as expensive as everything else, but like more of those and like the downstream um, benef- benefactors of uh, that type of show on Netflix. And then you get down to your you know, YouTube free content. It's fascinating. We need to get a middle schooler on this show. We can ask them about what they're watching on TV. Oh, that's a great. I don't know any middle schoolers. Sorry. Me neither, but we need I, I, would, I think that would actually be really interesting. So it's what crazy. you're saying is that this whole conversation we had about like TV and Steam Marketplace and everything like that, that'll be moot in five years when every network is bankrupt because everybody's watching people play video games. <laughs> and wait, you guys, we could talk about the potential for VR. Now you have these immersive experiences that are going to be so much better. <laughs> yeah, we don't need to go down that rabbit hole, but I, I will say... I don't think that the need for, like I said, the big budget stuff is gone. I don't think that cable network, you know, cable news and cable, all that stuff is going to fall off and die tomorrow or even in five years. There'll be a need for it. I just think we're going to see a serious like downsizing. I I think you called it with the music industry, right? Like that's what's happening. Yeah. And I think just like the music industry, it's going to sort of, there's going to be this proliferation of single interfaces that tie a bunch of these things together. I mean, now it's sort of fragmenting again, but generally, like back in the day, right, you had all these different labels and all, like different things, and it all combined under iTunes. And you had the iTunes store and you had the iTunes interface, and that was the way to go. And now you have Apple TV, you got Roku. Those are sort of solving the, the fragmentation problem by just presenting this unified interface on top of everything. Yeah. So, I mean, just to think about that, like briefly, if we're going to try to like see what's on the, you know, on the horizon, if music split up successfully and had, um, you know, different ways of fragmenting in ways that we want to. So Pandora is this sort of like, I'm not thinking about it, but I'm getting stuff that I like. And Spotify is I'm going to self curate and then get what I like and um, whatever else, what other services are happening. Um, they all have sort of their place under the sun and radio exists and there's still labels to, you know, to a degree, but not the way they used to be. Um, I could see the same thing happening for, for video where like we have the free, just like, just, you know, let me sit back and enjoy whatever's on television versus the, I'm going to curate it versus the, Oh, ABC, CBS, and NBC are not going anywhere, but they're not going to be what they used to be. Yeah. I think that it, it's just a matter of what happens to them long-term Do they they keep trying to do the broadcasting do they go to stream do they flounder and get replaced by something else i'm fine with the replacement well they're trying to stream and i i wonder too if there's a line between a a what size network what kind of shows you have to produce in order to be an effective player in an increasingly fragmented space or what size you have to be when you have to partner you just have to bite the bullet and say okay we're to put all our shows on netflix yeah 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 okay so real quick what, what, what do you guys think is going to happen? Are people going to co-opt and partner up with like, is it going to be ABC with Netflix and CBS with Hulu or whatever? Um, actually, ABC, probably Hulu. They have a ton of stuff on there. Or is yeah, it give going it, to be, give it, five is it years going to be, no, 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 no. It's going to be that. Or do you think it's going to be the wrapper? Like we're going to see a new distribution platform or maybe Apple TV becomes the dominant, like the de facto, you know, video service or Roku emerges as the video distribution platform. Like, I don't, I think the most, you have thoughts. There's so much incest yeah. that's going to happen. I think the most oh, likely solution is that you're going to see all these networks switch to their own self-contained streaming solution. HBO Now style. Right, HBO Now style. And, and you'll pay basically an a la carte price for each one, whether it's a subscription or maybe it's, it's per show or by the content you watch, but most likely a subscription model. Because everything now seems to be a subscription, whether it's music, um, your TV mm-hmm. stuff, your razors, like whatever, it's all coming on a subscription service anymore. And 
So I think that's what you ultimately see is a streaming sub, a sc- streaming subscription for each channel, each network. Yeah, that's what I meant by incest. Like you're going to find that the content producers are becoming service providers and vice versa. As we, okay. It's like Netflix and HBO are the perfect example of that. Netflix was the service provider that became a content producer and HBO is the content producer is becoming a service provider. And we're going to see a lot more blurring of those lines. And so I think that means that big companies will eat the smaller ones. So you'll see mergers or acquisitions at the, at the large end of things and partnerships at the small end of things. Uh, and uh, as time goes on, I think you'll find that because these are more of these services that are all talking to each other and they'll have like these secret backdoor treaties that eventually you'll have World War One. <laughs> no, I, what, I think just I think that you'll eventually have these one interface systems that are going to prevent you from actually accessing things on where you want them. So when HBO rolls out their own box, right, that's they're going to be direct competition with Apple or when Apple rolls out its own streaming service, they're going to be in direct competition with HBO or Netflix. And so there's going to be some competitive lockout to prevent you from watching Netflix on your uh, Apple device. Sure. Oh, that's interesting. That's a whole other thing. And then at the same time as that occurs, as we get this sort of increasing it's fragmentation under one roof sort of thing. And then you get this lockout with each other. Um, I think that you're going to wind up with less and less people actually watching those shows anyway, as more and more people go to independently produce content on things like YouTube, Vimeo, wherever <laughs> Vimeo. <laughs> no, they have their own niche, but okay. Yeah. I'm on board with that. I think that's a, a an interesting and very likely future. Now we just need to see if somebody can successfully make the wrapper app that I want to hold it. Well, I wrote a thesis. <laughs> <laughs> i'll bow later you build it first <laughs> all right boys this, this is a laid-back low-key podcast no okay real quick i just wanted to say happy successful move to mr lilja we're not done yet we're not done yet but thank you it's nice i live in the Super city now. fancy <laughs> wait till you get a house in the suburbs yep and then <laughs> nope 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 no <laughs> no he, don't worry, he'll conform, and then uh, he'll hop on the Harry's Harry's uh, shaving subscription service. <laughs> Dollar Shave Club. Oh, Dollar Shave Club. Before you know it, I'll be getting Slingbox, and I'll be paying for uh, cable TV. <laughs> you can find show notes for this week's episode at interface.fm slash seven. Send us your questions on Twitter at underscore interface FM. Uh, we're also on Facebook. Just search Interface Podcast and click the little mouse cursor. If you're into conversating on Reddit, you can join the discussion each week at our interface podcast. You get even crazier too if you want. You could say like, okay, we get a little freemium with it where you could have access to free TV, network TV, whatever. Just hear me out. And then you could say, okay, like, uh, every month I'm going to spend, let's say $20 on non-free TV. And then that converts it into some sort of market. It's an extra currency in a market system whereby based on popularity and what's doing well and what's popular and what your tastes are, you can have things that increase or decrease and you could have things that are tailored to you promoted with like a discount price. The first one's free kids to get yeah. you into a TV show yeah. that you wouldn't want to watch otherwise. Yeah. I just, first of all, let's just get a little freemium here because I really, <laughs> Uh, if you sorry, don't mind, that. let's get a little freemium in here. <laughs> Baby. First date's free. Baby. Baby, I'm feeling a little freemium tonight. I don't know about you. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Everything you see is free. 
But uh, pop the hood, that'll cost. <laughs> you don't have I'm enough so gems lost. to unzip that zipper. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, honey. You're going to have to wait another eight hours before we do that. <laughs> anyway.